0: Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. WGR Sports Radio 550 presents. We got at Nate Geary Sports, and uh, Nate says, "Merry Christmas to everyone except for Tom Brady." Who is
1: probably watching his own documentary with his family this morning. Sports Talk Saturday. We were watching the highlights of last year's Super Bowl, which we won, but we weren't (laughs) watching a documentary.
0: (laughs) Does Nate actually
2: play sports?
0: Emotional damage. On WGR. You good? Not little Okay, He died of emotional
3: damage. Sports Radio 550. Hey, gang. Good morning. Happy Saturday to you. Nick Geary, Sports Talk Saturday. We've got an interesting one today. We've got Sabres Avalanche. That's coming up a 1 p.m. puck drop, a 12 p.m. pregame show with Brian Koziel and, of course, our Paul Hamilton. So that comes your way here in about one hour. And uh, what I'm going to do over the next 57 well, it's 56 minutes and roughly 40 seconds. Uh, I'm not a big math guy, but that's, uh, that's, that's the word here. We're going to play back some of the best of this week from Howard and Jeremy, including uh, Alex Tuck, uh, Buffalo Sabre Alex Tuck, and Coach Don Granado, who met with Howard and Jeremy on Tuesday. But first, we are going to hear from Joe Marino, who is on Howard and Jeremy in the morning show on Wednesday. So here's Joe Marino of Locked on Bills and the Draft Network.
4: We're very excited to uh, announce this new segment here. Uh, it's not often when we present someone with the possibility of being on with us every week, they say yes, but <laughs> Joe has done that. And uh, Joe Marino is a guy you're probably very familiar with. He's been on uh, the station quite often, does great work for the Draft Network, and um, a Locked on Bills podcast on the Odyssey app. Joe's going to be on with us every Wednesday at 8.05, right up to the draft, and that first week after the draft, and we're thrilled to have him. Joe, it's Howard and Jeremy. Good morning, sir. How are you doing?
1: Good morning. Thanks for having me, and uh, I appreciate the opportunity to come on with you guys on a weekly
4: basis. Well, we are looking forward to it. There's a lot of ground to cover, Joe. A lot of ground to cover. And I mentioned to Jeremy, I liked you know uh, your tweet about the Bills' off season. Uh, now the, the season's officially over. We kicked into. We're talking about free agents this week. We're going to talk more about the draft. And your tweet was pretty cool. Uh, as you consider your off season wish list, ask yourself the following question: How does this player help the Bills pass the football? or stop the pass you correspond you you link to that some rush stats but why is that your offseason wish list that specifically pass and stop the pass
1: well that just comes down to that being the formula in today's nfl and so much of the conversation over the last couple of seasons regarding the bills has been how can they run the ball more effectively and how can they have the two-dimensional threat on offense of being able to run the football and then you know, kind of some hunger for the ability to stop the run more effectively on defense. And those are good talking points, and they matter for sure. But nothing matters more in the NFL than your ability to throw the football and stop the pass. And the statistics that I referenced on the tweet were about the last three Super Bowl champions, the Rams, Bucks, and Chiefs. And in those seasons, you are talking about um, every single one of them; those teams being in the bottom 25% of the NFL in rushing yards. And they were all top five in passing yards per game. And so it's just a a pretty clear correlation between the teams that are winning the Super Bowl and what they're good at. And they're all good at throwing the football. And none of them have been particularly good at running it.
4: I saw a stat um, earlier this week on Twitter about the Rams. You know, Rams, of course, just won the Super Bowl. Over their four playoff games, they averaged 2.72 yards per carry. And they won the Lombardi Trophy. They won the Super Bowl. They had no running game in the Super Bowl at all. In fact, the case was made that McVay was sticking with the running game too much. But over their playoff run, they averaged 2.72 yards per carry. So I I agree with your premise, Joe, in terms of passing and stopping the pass. Um, What? Okay, so specifically, let's go with passing the football. Now, that could be a receiver. It could be an offensive lineman. So, you want to, Jeremy, do you want to yeah. start there with passing the football?
2: Yeah, I do real quickly, Joe, because last off season, I feel like we talked a lot. We talked with you about getting this team a true weapon in the passing game from a tight end standpoint, and whether that was going to be free agency or whatever it was, draft. Tight end was something we talked about, and now we won't because of Dawson Knox and his emergence. I guess I want to ask you, is there a need for a second one? Do you, do you think Ken Dorsey might want a second tight end? Will the Bills – want to ever use two tight ends more than they do as, as they shift to, I mean, the same offense, but, but a new guy calling the offense and maybe a little bit of a, a change to their offensive design. Do you think a second tight end is in the mix?
1: Well, Jeremy, I don't think I've ever seen an NFL team choose to only dress one tight end like the bills did <laughs> late in the season and into the playoffs. I mean, it's pretty common that you dress two or even three and the bills by choice only dress Dawson Knox as their as their lone tight end on game days and I thought that was pretty unique and for as much as we think uh, there's going to be a lot of carryover with Ken Dorsey now assuming the offensive coordinator position he's going to want to have his own stamp on this offense he's going to want to put his fingerprints on it so there's going to be a lot of continuity I think from the communication perspective and just uh, being on the same page with some of the verbi- verbiage but I do expect there to be some wrinkles that look different and some different personnel groupings and concepts that exist with this within this offense. And if there's anything that could be true that would make it different, it would be the usage of a second tight end with more regularity than we saw from Brian Dable, especially late in his time with the Buffalo Bills. And so I, I do think that the Bills need more depth at tight end, whether or not they want to go with more two tight end sets or you know incorporate a second tight end just because you can't go into a season with the only guy you trust to play being Dawson Knox for as good as he was and how much he can mean to this offense and how good that additional layer was to the football team. You're one snap away from having nothing at the position group. So from that perspective alone, I do think that the bills probably need to add a veteran at some point this off season and perhaps use a later draft pick to add to this position group because whether or not they want to go with multiple tight ends or not, they they need more on the roster at that position group, so that way they can not have to completely reinvent their offense if Dawson Knox were to get injured. And, and every year that he's been in the NFL, he's had something that has forced him to miss a, a few games.
2: And I wonder if that, you know, is, is something that we ultimately end up talking about, uh, jiving with what Sean McDermott wants from his offense. You know, there were times this year that it felt like, and it sounded like Brian Dable and Sean McDermott might have been at odds with the threat of the run game not necessarily about volume but what it looks like and two tight end sets might be something that Sean McDermott wants just to see a little bit more of
1: yeah I think that's fair and I would agree with you in that I think we could feel that a little bit where there was a little tension between McDermott and Babel about maybe what the offense looks like and and I I think we could all agree that that existed when we got a chance to listen to them talk and um Yeah, I think, I think the the multiple tight end thing, especially if if you consider some of the clues that we have about Aaron Cromer, the new offensive line coach and Ken Dorsey, you know, these are, these are players or or coaches that in their past have been a little bit more multiple with the run scheme and and utilizing tight ends just kind of based on their affiliations in the past. And I think there's enough clues there that, um, should lead us to believe that there will be a move made at tight end. I don't think it will be significant because I do think this team is all in on Dawson Knox as they proved to us this past year and how Dawson Knox responded. But more depth at tight end, I think, is is got to be on the list for Brandon Bean this offseason.
2: Speaking with Joe Marino of the Draft Network. All right, Joe, so one thing I want to ask you about this, this team, you know, we'll, we'll talk each week about p- pass rushers. We'll talk about receivers. We'll talk about – interior linemen and depth on the offensive line a lot of things they need when you look at a draft class you know let's let's start with the edge rushers here do you see edge rushers that are good and then edge rushers that are good and also like prototypical bills pass rushers like a certain style of defensive player that they like that you know maybe on a a, a general board would be in one spot but but you know what the bills like and what the bills seem to target where you kind of maybe put a star next to the name because that looks like a Bills pass rusher.
5: That's
1: a good question. And I'll start by saying this. We currently have 16 defensive ends rated in our top hundred prospects for the 2022 NFL draft. And so we think very fondly of what this draft class offers. Now, when you bring that to a Bills focus and you you, you start to think about which guys the Bills would really fit the Bills. There's two in the first round that, that make a lot of sense to me that I think there's a reasonable chance could be available. You know, I don't think it's worth talking about the Aiden Hutchinson's and the Cave-on Thibodeaux's of the world. Those are top ten picks. The Bills are at 25. But if we think about that, that later first-round area, Trayvon Walker out of Georgia, six foot five, 275 pounds, long arms, heavy hands, a compression-style rusher that can really reduce pass rush angles, uh, I, I think really fits the bill. And we've seen the bills gravitate towards that with Basham and FNSA and Rousseau, obviously the recent draft picks, but going back to the players that McDermott has, has success with in Carolina, whether that's Greg Hardy or Coney Ely or Charles Johnson, I think Trayvon Walker falls into line with stylistically those players and what they offer. The other one is Jermaine Johnson out of Florida state, um, six foot five, 260 pounds, almost 35 inch arms, was the ACC defensive player of the year this year at Florida State, was absolutely dominant. I gave him a first-round grade coming out of tape uh, study back in December, and then he goes to the Senior Bowl, and he was the best player for the two days of practice that he was there. And so if there are two first-round defensive ends that make a lot of sense to me, should they be on the board, Trayvon Walker, Georgia, Jermaine Johnson, Florida State, are two guys that I would target right now.
4: How much – I guess what's the ceiling on those guys? When we talk about – edge rush defensive ends whatever Joe and you know the the assets the Bills have put into it you you know you could have good players but there's no great edge rushing threat on the roster what's the I know that's unfair to put on a prospect but what kind of ceiling do you see for those guys
1: well I, th- I think especially Jermaine Johnson I-, I think has the upside of being a double-digit sack guy every year in the NFL and I think there is something to be said about just the range that the Bills are going to be picking and have been picking and versus the the caliber of edge rusher that you're likely to get. And which, last season, that was a drum that I beat pretty hard. And then I started to look at this Bengals defensive line. And and their two defensive ends, really high-impact players in Sam Hubbard and Trey Hendrickson, those were both third-round picks. And so I, I don't know that... It's so much a situation where the Bills are in no man's land to be able to land an impact edge rusher. Um, but there, there certainly have been some instances, whether it's those players or Yannick Ngocwe or Max Crosby, there are case studies that you could point to of guys that weren't necessarily first or even second round picks that have wound up being impact edge rushers. And, you know, the Bills certainly need to fall into that some way somehow because right now I think that's one of the biggest stories that we have to talk about this offseason is that despite all the investments that brandon bean has made on this defensive line they're not getting a big enough impact uh in terms of plays actually being made by these guys
2: yeah i'm thinking about like tj watt you know joe like how does a guy that ends up being that dominant kind of slip that little bit you know it's a position defensive end that is definitely valued by every franchise every organization and I don't know if it, if you would think it gets over drafted because we say that about quarterback, right? Quarterback moves to the top, left tackle, uh, defensive end. We're at number one corner and number one receiver. Like these might be the positions that are paid the most, that are, that are valued the most. And for defensive ends, it, it it um it seems to be the kind of position you can just keep taking shots at in a way that you can't do that with quarterback because there's only one on your roster that actually starts, right? Like. If the Bills were to keep taking shots at defensive end, you would think that eventually one of them would hit a ceiling that they'd be very, very happy with.
1: For sure. And I I don't think the book is written on any of the young defensive ends on the Bills roster. Obviously only one year for Rousseau and Basham. But, you know, you brought up another good name there, T.J. Watt, who was a late first-round pick. And as I consider all of these players that we've kind of brought up here, whether it's T.J. Watt or Sam Hubbard or Trey Hendrickson or Yannick Ngakwe, uh, even a second round pick like Demarcus Lawrence, uh, from, for the Dallas Cowboys, some of these, these non top 10 good edge rushers in the NFL. The common denominator with all of them is just they are high motor guys. And, and you can just see that the effort that they, they execute with on a snap by snap basis. And I think maybe that's something that you, you cling to when, you know, hey, this, this guy's not going to go high in the draft, but what the redeeming quality here is that they are unrelenting in how they play the game. And, um, you know, just as we kind of spitball here and, and work through some of these ideas and, and how the Bills can, can walk into or fall into one of these impact edge rushers, I think paying attention to that motor and urgency is something to be mindful of.
2: Is there any player in this draft, first round, you know, in the in the neighborhood of the Bills, I'm sure there, there, there are guys like this, hybrids that maybe are positionless? Because sometimes – that's been a thing in the first round where we'll see um, – whatever. I'm, I'm trying to think over the last couple of years. Uh, who's the Clemson guy who went to Arizona? Isaiah – Isaiah Simmons. Isaiah Simmons. Um, you know, Guys that are just in between that sometimes it's hard to, to pick where they might fit in, but defensive coordinators find a way to fit them in. Is there anybody like that in this draft that could make sense for the Bills somewhere?
1: Yeah, I mean, I do think that there are players just like that. And the first one that comes to mind is Kyle Hamilton from Notre Dame. But we're talking about a top-10 selection there all day long uh, in terms of what he offers, just a, a very unique skill set. Um, I think about a guy like Jojo Doman out of Nebraska. I think he's more of a day-two guy, uh, really a Matt Milano-esque type player where you know he's played some safety uh, at Nebraska, he's played some outside linebacker. He's played down on the line of scrimmage, uh, kind of as an outside stand-up outside linebacker, but on the line of scrimmage, he's a guy that I think is very much a, a do everything player. Uh, Troy Anderson, linebacker from Montana State. This is the, this might be the most versatile football player I've ever scouted. Uh, during his time at Montana State, he was an all-conference quarterback. He was an all-conference running back, and he this past year he was the uh, the conference defensive player of the year at linebacker and he's like six foot three 240 pounds he's going to run probably high four fours low four fives and he's a a jack of all trades but a master of none and you can see that he's a raw football player but his size his athleticism and he's super physical he's a guy that you could probably ask to do a lot of different things for you on defense whether that's shooting gaps or dropping into coverage or uh, you know, playing some man coverage on tight ends, but also can do Taysom Hill things for you on offense and certainly profiles as a special teams player. You know, if the Bills wanted a Swiss Army knife in, in the the fullest of what that means, Troy Anderson on, on you know, the third or fourth round would, would be a really intriguing guy to do that type of stuff.
4: Joe, what about to your premise of, you know, help you pass the football or stop the pass? Your most recent mock draft was all about both of those. Your first three picks were on defense and it's a, a wide receiver. But what about the interior defensive line because the the guy you mocked to the Bills in the first round was uh plays interior. How important is uh, we don't know what's going on with Star. Uh, Harrison Phillips would have to be resigned. He's unrestricted. How important is that position to address this off season?
1: Yeah, I think it's it's very very important and obviously the Bills could bring back a couple of players whether that's uh like you said, Harrison Phillips or Justin Zimmer, who's also Zimmer, injured right. coming yeah. off an injury, but, yep. but an expiring contract. So I think the Bills, you know, if they don't bring those guys back, and I think there's a reasonable conversation to be had about Star, and if he falls off this roster potentially after June 1st, you know, the Bills are going to need several players on the interior uh, to come in and, and play. Um, and I don't expect Vernon Butler to be back, and so there are a lot of expiring contracts, and depending on who's back, will dictate the need here, but if, if, Phillips is not back, if star falls off this roster, you, you're probably looking at at least two bodies that'll be added that are going to play a lot of meaningful snaps for this football team. And, uh, I, I do think that this is potentially a big need for the team.
2: In all of your mocks on, uh, on the dra- at the draft network, what's the average draft position for punt God? <laughs> <laughs> uh,
1: yeah, you know, at people, It's funny because people start yelling at me when I don't mock a punter to the Bills uh, at some point. It's certainly uh, something that needs to be discussed because, you know, look, the conversation with Matt Hawk is that this guy's an amazing holder, and he is. You look at Jason Sanders with the Miami Dolphins. This guy was an all-pro kicker last year with Matt Hawk. This past year, the Miami Dolphins were dead last in the NFL in terms of field goal-made percentage. What's the difference? Matt Hawk, like he definitely matters, but this is professional football. You don't have to sacrifice punting ability for holding ability. You can find somebody that can do both, and, and I think the Bills should be very committed to uh, finding a punter that can actually be a consistent punter this offseason that can also check the box in terms of being a sufficient holder for Tyler
2: Bass. And for people that don't, that don't know punt God, Matt Areza, San Diego State, he's got a bunch of records. He'll get drafted, yeah, like no doubt about that, right?
1: Well, here's the, here's the problem with him is he's also a kicker. So this guy didn't hold in, in, in college. And so that would all be new for him uh, coming into the NFL. So that's something we got to keep in mind with, with him.
4: All right. Hey, Joe, uh, before we let you go, uh, let's get a couple things out there that you were involved in. One of them is the Locked on Bills podcast, which folks can get on the Odyssey app. Why don't you give the folks, uh, you know, a little heads up on what are some of the things you're going to be discussing and uh, how to find the podcast? Yeah. The Odyssey app will be how to find it, by the way. So I'm sorry. Go ahead, Joe. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Check it out on the Odyssey app. Locked on Bills. Daily podcast of the (coughs) Buffalo Bills. It's about a 30-minute deal every single day. And uh, right now we're working through performance review for each position group where we're digging into – uh, how the players fared and projecting them into next season and really evaluating the needs on the roster. And then obviously that'll spill right into how the Bills can address those needs in the coming weeks. So, uh, daily discussion for you on Lockdown Bills, part of the, uh, the Odyssey app there. You can find it.
4: And yep. you have a family to support. So, why don't you get a plug in for your book that is out there about the Bills? And now you can also explain how they can get your book.
1: Yeah, I appreciate that. Go Bills is the book. And it actually is available for pre-order now over at buffalobillsbook.com. It'll start shipping in August of 2022. And basically what this is is cover to cover the entire history of the Buffalo Bills, where I go season by season, and I summarize the biggest storylines, give you the starting lineup, statistical leaders. uh, You get a chance to see the key acquisitions. And just page by page relive the entire history of the Bills. There's breakout stories on the biggest moments in team history. There's all-decade teams. Great uh, for having on a, a coffee table or a bookshelf. It's obviously a great gift idea, and there's a lot of incentives for pre-ordering it over at BuffaloBillsBook.com.
4: Took you uh, took you a long time to come up with the title for that one, huh?
1: Listen, it, it, I got to give credit to Greg Thompson of Cover One. He really <laughs> he really uh, put it out there for me because I was trying to think of what is a a phrase that resonates with Bills fans, it, and it's Go Bills. Go it, Bills, it literally. More common than hello or goodbye. Right? <laughs> it, it is, you just say go Bills, and everybody knows what that means. And so it was the obvious choice once Greg uh, put that on my
4: radar. Always good to keep it simple. Joe, we're looking forward yeah. to having you on each week. Thank you very much for, do, for coming on today, and thanks for uh, agreeing to come on with us uh, You know, all the way up through the draft.
1: Of course, guys. I'm looking forward to it. Thank you so much. Okay.
3: All right, that was uh, Locked on Bills and the Draft Network's Joe Marino. We're going to take a timeout on the other side. We're going to hear from Sabres forward Alex Tuck here as we get you ready for a 1 p.m. faceoff today against uh, the uh, Colorado Avalanche. The Sabres will be facing off, of course, uh, at KeyBank Center. A 1 p.m. puck drop, 12 p.m. pregame right here on WGR. So we'll take a timeout. Other side, Alex Tuck here on WGR.
4: Alex Tuck joining us. We're very excited to say he's with us right now on the Western Hotline. Off to a great start as a Buffalo Sabre. Alex, it's Howard and Jeremy. Good morning. Nice to have you on our show. Morning, guys. Thanks for having me. Oh, yeah. Thanks for doing this. So, you know, clearly, I'm not sure your start could be any better uh, with what you're able to produce, with how that line has been working. So let's start there, Alex. What do you attribute the the numbers, the stats, and and the production you and Skinner and Thompson are showing the since you put the uniform on?
6: Um, yeah, I mean, we we haven't been too concerned about points or anything like that. We're just trying to go in and compete uh, day in and day out and uh, trying to be uh, the best that the three of us can be. Uh, I think we've been uh, creating some chemistry, especially in the last five or six games. Um, and also, I'd say probably being healthy has helped a lot, too. Has uh, uh, Schultz shoulder surgery last summer and then I uh, got traded here to Buffalo uh, didn't play for the first um, first bit so I was working with uh, the rehab guys in Vegas and then Buffalo and both both groups did really well uh, I felt like I was in really good shape and uh, my shoulder was really strong coming back uh, in the play and then uh, I also think that uh, the playing style of uh, that Don Granada wants us to play with has really uh, I guess, let my uh, game kind of uh, blossom a little bit more, I think, offensively. And um, I guess I'm just capitalizing on some opportunities and uh, playing with some really good linemen.
4: You know, you mentioned chemistry. By the way, I'm having shoulder surgery next month. I may want to get back to you for some advice, if you don't mind. (laughs) You, You mentioned chemistry. Like, we hear that a lot, developing chemistry as a team, as a line. What are some of the... I mean, you guys have it, Your line. aligned. So what are some of the factors that go into, de- so to speak, developing chemistry, a strong chemistry?
6: Um, I don't know. I, I like how, um, I guess, versatile our line is. It, it, we don't have three guys that play the exact same. Honestly, the three of us, I think, play very different uh, styles of hockey. But mm-hmm. I think we're able to – Uh, we're all able to play that that fast game as well. So we're able to not only skate pretty fast, but make plays at a high pace and uh, really keep the defensemen on their heels. So uh, being able to kind of read the play and uh, try to um, have that chemistry and build off of each other, uh, not only with the puck, but without the puck too, I think is really helpful.
4: You seem really happy to be here Uh, for sure on the ice with some of your celebrations. You always seem to have a smile on your face. You come from a winning organization to an organization that is trying to build something right now. How have you been able to embrace the role, the challenge and look like you're having so much fun at a time when I'm sure the wins aren't coming as frequently as players would like them to come?
6: Yeah. I mean, it's it's not a, It's actually not that hard to embrace being a Buffalo Saber when you grew up being a huge fan. But um, moving back home has been really uh, well, pretty much back home. Two hours from my parents has been really uh, enjoyable. Get to see them more often. Um, get to see a lot of friends and family that I probably wouldn't uh, see until maybe the summertime uh, when living in Vegas. So um, the I guess the change in going from uh, the winning to I guess not as much winning um, has is really I don't know, has been hasn't been that difficult because of the guys that we have in the locker room. It's not a bunch of guys that are going around blaming each other for the loss. It's not a, we're not getting out all over each other. We're not yelling at each other. It's not any uh, inner locker room turmoil. It's really fun and it's light. And you know what we we know that. We, we are going to hold each other accountable. And we're going to hold ourselves accountable. But when we have the opportunity, we're going to have a lot of fun. And uh, it's been great. The team has welcomed me with open arms. And it's um, uh, just a great group of guys that I love being around. So that's made it a lot easier if, hey, the wins are not coming. Uh, the group of guys, is great that you're, that you're doing it with. And you also have to look, look at the future and look at, hey, I, I, I have a good opportunity to be here for a long time. And to see all these young guys uh, with so much skill and so much talent coming up coming up to be at Buffalo Sabres that are current or future, uh, I think we have a really good opportunity to have a hell of a hockey team here.
4: We're with Alex Tuck uh, from the Sabres on our Western Hotline. You mentioned growing up in Central New York a Sabres fan. Who were your favorite players at the time?
6: Uh, well, I grew up next to Tim Comlin, so he was uh, the obvious number one choice. Um, and then I really liked, oh, there's, I mean, I, I can name the entire, almost the entire 0607 <laughs> hockey team, but, um, certain guys that I just, uh, kind of gravitated towards was like uh, a little bit of Thomas Vanek, uh, but I really liked, um, Chris Drury and, uh, Brian Campbell. It's a good oh, short Ryan list, Miller, of course. Yeah, Sorry. Ryan Miller. <laughs> it's a he was pretty favorite goalie growing up.
4: Did uh, Did Connolly teach you some moves? <laughs> uh, we had a big age gap,
6: so he was he had already moved out, and he'd come visit and stuff, and play some street hockey a little bit. Yeah. when he had some time. But uh, yeah, he I, I, I we had a twelve year age gap, so it was yeah. kind of tough to really get to know him that well
2: alex when uh, when we would talk to Kevin Adams in years past, he's been in studio with us and visited Howard and I don't hesitate to tell him that the Stanley Cup he won with Carolina should have been the sabres and i, I just wonder if you have done the same. Have you told him that, <laughs> that that was supposed to be the Sabres Cup
6: yeah i haven't I haven't said that i don't he knows it, I don't think I'm going to say that <laughs> He is my boss.
4: you're under contract what are you yeah. worried about you no
2: know. hey
6: you know. Hey, you can uh, – I've been traded twice in this league. I'm not <laughs> looking to get traded a third time. So.
2: Fair enough, fair enough.
6: I like where I'm at. I like where I'm at. We're, uh, my girlfriend and I are building a house here. Oh, we, nice. I want to be here for a really long time, and uh, that's probably not the best way to do it, guys.
2: Sure. <laughs> you, you grew up in Syracuse. Uh, I've got to ask, were you a Syracuse basketball, football fan, anything other like central New York stuff?
6: Yeah, I was. You know what's crazy, though? I, I'm, I'm going to I have to change this, but I've never seen a Syracuse basketball game. I've always been a big fan. I, I met. I even, like, this summer I hung out with, like, Eric Diebendorf a little bit. He's a really good guy. I got to meet him and hang out with him a bit. But I've never seen a Syracuse basketball game, but I've always watched him on TV because for some reason I just always had hockey games. Yeah. Of wow. lacrosse, I grew up playing a lot of uh, lacrosse. So Syracuse lacrosse was, wow. was the, I think, the sport I I went and watched the most.
4: That's all right. That can help your hockey skills or vice versa, I guess. Yeah, hopefully, were you, hopefully it did. Were you a Bills fan growing up in uh, Central New York, too?
6: I was. I was. Um, I wasn't a crazy football fan in general, but I, I did cheer for the Bills whenever I was uh, – when I was growing up, so I am. Um, that's nice to just kind of go back into the fold uh, of things. I had to, I had to support the Raiders when they came to Vegas. They were supporting us, so that's what you kind of do in a, in uh, your, the city that you play in. But I, I was always through and through a Bills fan.
4: Now listen, we did a little research on you, Alex, and I, I, I have something I want to see if my co-host can actually top you in one category. Are you ready? Yeah. We understand you're a big golfer. All right. Jeremy has played Pebble Beach. Have you? No, I haven't played Pebble Beach. See, Jeremy, you got him. I haven't.
6: Yeah. I haven't played a lot of nice courses. That's something that I really want to do in the next, I guess, uh, couple summers. Well, maybe not this summer. I feel like everyone's getting married. But
5: (laughs) in the future,
6: I want to play Pebble Beach. I think I was – I went to San Diego for the break, and I was – What's the course there? I was just, I was just south of uh,
2: Tory Pines. Tory Pines. I was like
6: ten minutes away, but it was during break. I don't golf during break and stuff. I want to let my body rest. Sure. Uh, but yeah, that was kind of disappointing. I didn't go and golf there.
4: How's your game?
6: I am anywhere between like an eight to a twelve handicap. I'm. I won't make a mockery out of myself. <laughs> I can occasionally compete but I like going out there and having a little fun and it's uh I don't know maybe maybe I'll get more competitive as the time goes on but I'm very average.
2: Are you, are you like every hockey player though that blasts the ball <laughs> off the tee?
6: I can hit it kind of far, yeah.
2: Okay.
4: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, kind of far. <laughs> All right. So uh, but the thing is is the
6: thing is is a lot of times it likes to go right. Yeah.
4: <laughs> yeah. That's all right. That's, it does. At least it goes far. Far as I'm impressed by far, Alex. So if it's far right, far <laughs> left, I don't care. If it's far, that's really cool. Um, before we let you go, two shout outs, real quick. So um, why don't you talk a little bit about the foundation you have? Um, I was told you have a foundation that helps children battling cancer and other illnesses. If you could mention that a little bit.
6: Yeah, so it's the 189 Foundation. Um, it's uh, our two pillars that we that we look to uh, help out in the community are uh, pediatric cancer and children with special needs. Um, so we are looking to slowly but surely start working with um, more organizations in Buffalo. I've had conversations with Roswell Park. Uh, I went out to uh, watch the, um, the Buffalo special needs team um, go out and skate. I'm going to be skating with them more. Uh, we're looking to raise money and um, help fund certain programs that we think are, are uh, either underfunded or might need a little extra help. We do grants, uh, stuff like that. So we are, it's the 89foundation.org uh, if you want to go check out the website. Uh, we've done some work in Vegas, and we're really excited to be able to uh, come to Buffalo and um, try to make a difference.
4: And the last thing we were told is that you love talking about your dog, Teddy. So you can do a shout-out. What kind of dog are we talking about?
6: Uh, uh, he's oh, 13 months old. He's, uh, he's a pain in my butt. But he's <laughs> one of the cutest dogs uh, I've ever seen. That's that's just that's, I'm a little biased. But he did win NHL Dog of the Year Wow! Uh, in 2020. 2021 season so i i have a little bit of uh i, don't know, I was a little bit of a proud dog dad moment uh, <laughs> so I'm pretty excited about that
2: how many nominees are there for that dog of the year what do you got to do just be cute
6: I uh, well i i don't we don't nominate so someone else nominates i don't know you just got to be really cute i guess we went up against uh my buddy dylan larkin's dog we went up against um, I can't remember who else is. There's two other dogs that we went up against. Maybe JT Miller's yeah. dogs, and then someone else. But yeah, we won NHL Dog of the Year, and uh, they—I can't even remember what they sent so us. Did he get a little medal well,
4: to put on his collar or anything? Or you know,
6: I—I—I I, I, I don't know if they sent us a little medal, but maybe we should make one. You should. Uh, yeah. yeah. Hang <laughs> a banner. But hang no, a banner. Already, yeah. He already—he already has an attitude and like knows he's. <laughs> really cute and stuff so he can get away
2: with more so i don't want to i don't want to help that i'm not i'm not in favor of that yeah then
4: you're just enabling him you know yeah
2: yeah exactly yeah well quick google search <laughs> i looked at uh looked up dylan larkin's dog and jt miller's dog i think i think they got it right i think your dog is, is a better looking they're all good dogs of course but i think it well, was thank, a justified yeah win. of course well listen thank, alex
6: yes, very much.
4: um congratulations on the great start with the sabers of course continued success and thanks for taking out some time and uh coming on the show with us this morning it's great having you with us
3: all right that was uh sabers forward alec alex tuck you could see him in i don't know about an hour or so here sabers pregame coverage kicks off in about 15 minutes then it's sabers avalanche 1 p.m here on wgr we're gonna take a timeout sabers head coach don granato coming up next here on wgr
4: He's standing by the western hotline mr granato it's howard and jeremy good morning sir welcome how are you
5: Good. Good morning, guys.
4: Just wanted you to know, okay, the honeymoon... So
5: we're getting ready around here for another one.
4: I was just going to say, the honeymoon period's over, Don. Football season is now officially over. Pressure's on you guys, just so you know. <laughs> That's good. <laughs>
5: That's good. Uh, um, we'll, we'll take it. Uh, no pressure is bad pressure for us. You've got you to learn to deal with it. Sooner the late, sooner the better. So.
4: I know we've asked you about Skinner before, but, uh, geez, what are you feeding the guy? I mean, the four-goal game the other day... 20 goals we'll get into how well that line is playing together but uh man uh I, I guess are you surprised at what skinner's doing this season or was that something you expected to see from him
5: yeah well a well, little of both i mean I, I didn't have expectations on numbers but i'm certainly not surprised uh knew and new and know he's capable of scoring and um you know, when, when you can get a guy with that talent, enthusiastic and working hard and, and uh, the things he's doing now, uh, goals are the result. I even mentioned that many times at the start of the year before he was scoring. It's going to come. It's going to come. He's doing all the right things. So uh, he's developed some chemistry with really anybody. And right now it's Thompson and Tuck. We know how good Thompson has become in the last uh, 12 months, and he just keeps getting better every, every day. Uh, you had Tuck in there, and, and I feel and i watched Alex Tuck since he was 16 years old. The national team, we were both there together, and uh, I'm not so sure he realizes how good he can be in this league yet. So you have three players. Those two guys are just evolving as, as players. Uh, yet they're they're already very talented guys in the league, and uh, so I, I do give those guys credit as as, uh, as some other guys that Skinny's played with during the year too.
4: Yeah, you know, you mentioned chemistry. Obviously, this line has developed that. Why do you think the three of them have been have been able to click so quickly?
5: Well, we've had a little bit of practice time, which helps. Um, that they can move up and down the ice together in practice. Uh, they um, they get along well. They talk a lot. They communicate well, I should say. Um, and they're all hungry. I mean, they're all want more. Um, you know, different than, you know, wanting something from the past. You know, I was here on the power play. I, 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 we need to get to this. They're looking for something different and something more. And that is a major, major difference when you talk about performance. Uh, you, you fight that a lot, uh, you know, at, at all levels of sports. Um, but when guys had success in the past, they wanted, they, they keep looking back into the past and want to replicate something. These guys are hungry for the future. They believe in the future. They believe that there's more to be had, and that's driving them forward, and uh, they're ready for their opportunity, and that's what they've been, very opportunistic.
4: You you mentioned a moment ago that you're not sure Alex Tuck realizes how good he can be. What do you mean by that? Why why, why do you say that?
5: Well, I've watched him, you know, when he was with Vegas, obviously he, he was not, you know, a top one, two, three, or four player. He was Sometimes he was not even in the top six, uh, and, and when he was, it was it was up and maybe down a little later or short term. And uh, you know, as you as you go through your career with that, um, you, you know, you start to comply a little bit. Uh, I guess uh, that's that's what's delegated you, and you have to be responsible with that. Um, but what I saw out of him as a young athlete, uh, again, back at the national team, there, there's he has such a high skill level uh, that there's so much more for him to do. There's so much more he can do at this level uh, that he hasn't yet had the opportunity to do. So the hope is that, that I can, as a, as the head coach here, give him even more opportunity. Uh, he can realize that there's more, much more to his game than he's actually yet brought at the NHL level. And uh, that we'll obviously get, get, you know, reap the benefits of that. We'll get more out of that as a, as a team, but um you know he he did he does have a wealth of talent I think it's still untapped even though he has great experience within the league I still he I still see him as a lot of untapped potential.
4: Hmm. The other guy on the line I want to ask you about Tage Thompson who of course is is having a, a tremendous season. And I read some comments from you the other day about you were talking specifically about his shot and he tries to be too perfect at times again could you talk a little bit about what you meant and how do you address that what do you say to him. Uh, in regards to that
5: well, you can only bring bring something like that to his attention, and you know it's it's something you work out but but Tej is a very uh pragmatic he's very precise um, you know he and and these are all extremely valuable good traits these are traits that have driven him to be you know he's a he's more of a perfectionist. And they, these are traits that drive him to be better every day. Uh, but when it comes to goal scoring, it's just a lot of times it's just grab the puck and shoot. if it's, it's, you know, I tell players all the time, you, you, know, you want to score, but there's ways to score more, and that's scoring ugly goals. Just tip a puck. Just get to the front of the net. And for the defenseman at the point, you don't have to shoot at 100 miles an hour. There's four guys screening in front of the net. Just take a wrist shot. The goalie doesn't even know it's coming, and it's going to be deflected or, or go right in. You can't see it you don't need the the bomb of a shot so w- when we flip back to Tage, uh you know he's practicing he's he's always trying to go top corner and perfect spot in the net and that's great uh but he's missing the net a lot he's putting pucks over the net that I, I think in the future he won't do that he, he won't be putting as many pucks over the net or above the crossbar uh, as he becomes more comfortable that he doesn't have to pick a spot two inches by two inches mm-hmm.
3: All right, that was Sabres head coach Don Granato. You'll hear from him uh, during pregame, I'm sure. Sabres pregame, Sabres avalanche coming up here after a quick timeout. Brian Cozio, Paul Hamilton, that's all coming up next here on uh, on WGR. Back next week for Sports Talk Saturday and uh, our uh, morning programming as well. I'll be filling in for Jeremy all week, Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday anyways. And uh, So I'll see you then here on WGR.